Welcome to Mystery Machine Theater 3000, where we Scooby-Dooby-Doo it so you don't have to. But you should. Hi, I'm Siobhan. And I'm Tia. And uh, we're just a couple of Scooby-Doo fans. <laughs> we just really like Scooby-Doo is the thing. We do really like Scooby-Doo. Is the thing. <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, we're this is our new our new thing that we're doing with Cable Two, um, and uh, we're we're going to just basically break down episodes of Scooby Doo. We're gonna go in order. We may or may not skip episodes if they're stupid. <laughs> some some Scooby Doo stuff is just bad, frankly. So we may or may not skip stuff if it's not bad in an interesting way. We're probably also gonna end up missing a few things because rights issues and streaming yeah like, it's hard to get a hold of some of the new scooby-doo movies and stuff yeah the very second scooby-doo show is a bunch of celebrity cameos and i can't imagine that we're not missing a few episodes of those the rights for those are a mess the adams family episode in particular is apparently kind of hard to get but i'm sure i can find it somehow in some way that will be legal perfectly legal Perfectly after all, legal. After all, Scooby-Doo solves crimes, and we wouldn't commit crimes to watch Scooby-Doo. That's so true. It would be against the spirit of Scooby. That is so true. I'm always saying this. Speaking of spirits, this show definitely is full of those. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to jump into the first episode of the first Scooby-Doo show, which is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? It's called Episode 1, What a Night for a Night. We start off with a truck driving down the road. It has a crate on the back with a label reading, Delivered to Jameson Hyde West, Professor of Archaeology. Well, Prof of Archaeology. London, They spelled archaeology wrong, by the way. They did spell archaeology wrong. <laughs> um, that then fades out, and we just see the gang out walking. I believe they were walking, right? Uh, it was Scooby and Shaggy, I think, and they were yeah, they were just, just kind of hanging out, and they were they were coming home from the movies. They saw that's what it was. They they're they're coming home from the movies real late, like because uh, Scooby had to watch Star Dog Ranger of the North Woods twice. Oh yes, the great film Star Dog Ranger of the North Woods. We all love this film. And as they walked through Crime Alley, um, Joe Chill showed up. Wrong story. Hmm. Um. So Scooby looks at a bush and ends up with a frog on his nose, which is our first Scooby weird animal interaction. We're gonna be we're gonna be keeping count of a lot of things. We are going to be keeping count of a lot of things. So Scooby gets upset with the frog and chases it. It is very dog-like. I love his animation here. Yeah, he's he's extremely dog he's... in in these early episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a lot less like understandable in terms of the way he speaks and stuff like he's they 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 lean a lot more on him being a dog than they do in later iterations and he chases the frog into a bush and finds the truck that we saw in the introduction and he and shaggy go to check it out and they find a empty suit of armor sitting in the driver's seat and the crate empty in the back Shaggy points out that this is a deserted-type pickup truck. It's a deserted-type pickup truck. A a 1969 model deserted. (laughs) So they they, they pull in the rest of the gang to check it out. Because, of course, they always pull in the rest of the gang to check it out. They've been at this for a while, which is another thing I really like about this. We didn't need an origin story. I mean, I feel like that's pretty common for this era of, uh, of cartoons and stuff. But yeah, it's... It's nice and refreshing, given the way that things are in modern everything, where we need to know exactly the origin of every single thing that happens. Don't worry, we'll be getting to those, Scoob. Yeah. Scoob. My arch nemesis. So, they investigate, and Velma... Fred reads the label on the truck, and Velma... I think it was Shaggy who didn't understand why the guy's name was that, but Velma points out that it's an English name. There's there's apparently something very English about that name. About Jameson Hydewise. I mean, it does sound pretty English. It's it's objectively pretty British. 
they find the shipping label as well, sending it to the local museum, the county museum. And so they go to the museum and they meet Mr. Wickles. The curator. He's the curator of the county museum. He is balding and very nice to them. They're looking around. Um, Shaggy refers to the knight as the as being tall, tin, dark, and creepy. And Mr. Excellent Wickles, line. Mr. Wickles tells them that the knights, the armor is the subject of a legend, where it becomes animated during the nights of the full moon. Scooby. And it was a full moon last night, but it's also a full moon tonight for some reason. There are three nights of the full moon each month. Fun. Well, I don't know shit, okay? Fun astronomy fact. Fun astronomy fact. So the night might very well be active tonight and tomorrow night. Uh-oh. What a night for a night. What a night for a night. Scooby, meanwhile, finds, an, finds a lion statue and sees some things that look like opera glasses on them. And picks them up. Just steals them. Yeah, he just straight up steals them off a statue. He sees them, he looks at them, he decides that they are very fun looking and he wants to wear them, so he just picks them right up off a statue in the museum, and the next time we see it, they are on his face in the mystery machine. Which means we can, in fact, commit crimes in the process of watching this show, because Scooby just committed one right there. That's so true. Should we have, a, like, a general crimes count? We probably should. I hadn't thought of that, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing that up right now. All right. Crimes count. One. We're, we're gonna have... Uh, I'm gonna say general crimes count. Because mm-hmm. we also have a specific general crime. Crimes we also have a specific crime that we're counting. Yes, there's a specific crime that we're going to be counting as well. But uh, this is just for assorted crimes. So anyway, Scooby's got the opera glasses. They go... They're in the mystery machine. Um, <clears throat> Velma is curious about what the glasses are, so they go to the library to research the glasses, and she learns they aren't opera glasses. They are magnifying glasses used by jewelers and archaeologists, and, they, and they're only manufactured in one place. England. England. That one very specific, small place, England. <laughs> Especially in the 70s. Like, I feel like in the 70s, they could be referring to just any part of the the UK. Mm -hmm. So they decide that this is suspicious and they need to go investigate. They do a lot of deciding things are suspicious and going to investigate. But we're not counting that because that would just be every moment of the show. (laughs) Fred, I think it was Velma said, this is fishy. And Fred says, tonight, we're going fishing. And then they go back to the museum, and they break in. They... This is... Okay. This is the first official count of uh, my counter of breaking and entering. They're going to be doing Uh, a lot of that. They do a decent amount of breaking and entering, despite the fact that uh, they are ostensibly here to solve crimes. (laughs) They... They literally, they, like, go to the back door of this museum, right? Mm-hmm. The door is locked. So what they do is um, they set up a ladder that they have in the back of the van. The ladder's not tall enough to make it to the open window uh, at the top of the building. So they put a car jack under it and just jack the ladder up with Shaggy on it. Yeah, Shaggy's already on the ladder when Fred gets the car jack out. Yes, Fred just jacks the ladder up while while Shaggy is standing on top of this ladder. That still doesn't get him high enough. It still doesn't get him high enough, but never, never fear, because Norval Shaggy Rogers is the the swingingest gymnast in school. He is the swingingest of gymnasts in school. He is the swingingest of gymnasts. I will say, uh, just in this particular moment as well, Really, really good uh, music. Like, the music of the show is actually amazing. Like, it so, adds so much to the atmosphere of the comedy stuff that they're doing. After we finish talking about this episode, I just want to talk about the art for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do that. Particularly the backgrounds. <laughs> so, yeah. Shag- so, Shaggy swooses right in. You had to do it. I had to do it. So, sh- Shaggy does a little flip and gets into the building which is apparently swooshing right in 
and yeah. he falls. Well, he's, he, he says swing right in. Watch yeah. me swoose right in from a YouTube poop. Don't worry about it. He falls all the way he down breaks. the building. He breaks he everything breaks in the everything. museum. He destroys everything that he comes across on his way down to the door. You know what? I'm adding another marker to assorted crimes. Yes. He destroyed huge amounts of irreplaceable artifacts, which is in fact he a did. crime. That is a crime. So he opens the door. He finds the Black Knight, which is empty at the moment. And he also walks past an odd sort of tribal mask, which the eyes of follow him as he goes. Creepy. There's certainly something sinister going on there. So anyway, he gets the door open and everyone comes in with him. And then Fred immediately says we should split up. And that's something else we're counting. So this is our first time with Fred saying, let's split up. He splits the group so that he is with Daphne, Shaggy's with Velma, and he has Scooby stand guard. And that's something else we're counting. We're counting how often each combination of people is put together when Fred splits them up. It's only Fred, it's only when it's deliberate, and it's only what Fred assigned, not what ends up happening. It's it's so it's so wild how many of the things that we want to count just happen in a row here. <laughs> because immediately Scooby says that he doesn't want to stand guard. He doesn't want to be alone. So Fred says to him, Will you do it for a Scooby snack? No. Scooby will not do it for a Scooby snack. Will you no. do it for two Scooby snacks? Yes. And that means Scooby now has agreed to do something he didn't want to do for two Scooby snacks one time, and I will be building a bar graph of this as we go. Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a graph. It's going to be a hell of a graph. Um, the thing is, so Fred and... Daphne go one way, Shaggy and Velma go another. Scooby immediately gets terrified by his own shadow and runs over to Shaggy and Velma, which means he doesn't he's not actually standing guard anymore, in spite of having gotten two Scooby snacks for it. Mm-hmm. My man, that should be a crime. I'm not gonna count that as a crime, but that is fraud. That is fraud. Scooby did Scooby Doo did commit fraud. Scooby Doo fraud. Scooby Doo fraud. So Fred and Daphne get to the Egypt. Egypt exhibit, and they're looking around and don't notice that a mysterious hand reaches out of a sarcophagus and closes it. Shaggy, meanwhile, walks past a window, looks out the window, sees the full moon, and closes the blind so that the Black Knight won't cl- won't see it, which is the most reasonable response to a um, supernatural suit of armor I've ever heard. Also, since they've broken, they've broken in, it's probably a good idea to close the blinds anyway? Yeah, you don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. So Shaggy and Scooby and Velma are walking, and for some reason Shaggy goes off in a different direction than the other two, so they can't. So, so they're separated. The Black Knight steps in and starts following Velma and Scooby. Scooby's teeth are chattering, so he, so Velma closes them, ties them closed with a scarf, and then Scooby turns and sees the Black Knight and can't warn her because his mouth is tied tied closed with a scarf. Um, Velma. Loses her glasses, which yes, yeah, Scooby, Scooby, Scooby's running, uh, running away from the Black Knight and crashes into Velma, and she and she loses her glasses and yeah. can't see without them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Knight ends up falling into some stocks, and is and, and he gets locked in there, and uh, Velma thinks it's Shaggy in there, and the growling noises are the fact that he has a cold, which by the way has not been brought up before and will not be brought up after this. Yeah, but she she told him he should treat that cold, and good thing she has her, his yeah, medicine with Velma her. Velma is for some reason carrying Shaggy's cough syrup around, so she gets out a dose of the cough syrup. But Shaggy catches up to them right then, and she puts the cough syrup in Shaggy's mouth. And and let me note, let me note, this is the seventies, mm-hmm. so she just has a spoon. Yep. Just a normal ass spoon. Like this isn't cough syrup that you pour into the lid and and in a single dose in the lid and take a drink of. This is a spoon. She's just in a, a museum that they broke into, pouring cough medicine that she just had on her into a spoon that she also just had on While her. While she can't see. While she can't see. I mean she might be just nearsighted enough that she can see the spoon, but yeah. Anyway, she puts the cold medicine in Shaggy's mouth. Shaggy grabs her and carries her away. 
Scooby, meanwhile, separated from them now, and he finds the dinosaur exhibit, which... This is a great county museum. It's too bad the whole place has been trashed by Scooby, by Shaggy falling down through it. Yeah, and Scooby's about to trash it even more. So Scooby wants to eat the dinosaur bones. Scooby, those are rocks. They're fossilized bones. They're rocks. You don't want to eat them. Scooby can eat as many rocks as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Scooby, I'm on the side of Scooby eat rocks. Scooby is allowed to eat rocks, but he's probably not going to enjoy them. Except he does visibly enjoy it, so... Who am I to say what Scooby yeah. should want? Anyway, you're so right. He knocks, the, he knocks the dinosaur down, and that tears a curtain, and it turns out the black knight's behind the curtain. So Scooby panics and throws the entire dinosaur in the air, and it lands completely intact. So I guess he's undone that bit of damage, other than the curtain's torn still. And he runs away, and the group bits back together, and Shaggy finds a picture missing from the wall. Daphne sees a red substance on the on, at the base of the wall. That looks like blood. Fred scoops some up because, you know, scooping up blood with your bare hands is such a good plan. It's the 70s. You can do whatever you want, baby. And looks down at it on his fingers, and it turns out it's paint, and there's a trail of it. And as they walk away, they walk past the creepy tribal mask, and it watches them go. And... Spooky. 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 They reach the sarcophagus, which Fred refers to as the mummy case, which is now how I'm going to refer to sar- sarcophaguses for the rest of my life. Mummy cases for life, Mummy baby. cases for life. Fred tells Shaggy to open it. Shaggy says no. Fred does the reasonable thing, and instead of trying to bribe Shaggy to do it, he just opens it himself. And they find a secret room, which is full of mess and a bunch of paintings that have... In-process forgeries stood up next to them. Fred says this about solves the mystery. And they go to find the Black Knight. They do find the Black Knight, and Scooby tries, Shaggy tries to run away and ends up with his head stuck through one of the forgeries. So to distract the Black Knight, Scooby dresses as a painter and offers to paint the Black Knight's picture, but ends up throwing a bunch of paint in his face. Which, you know, old irreplaceable suit of armor, let, let, let's just get some paint on it. Yeah, why not? Um, they run into the World War One exhibit, it looks like, because there's a World War One tank there that Fred and Daphne and Velma hide in, and a biplane there that Scooby and Shaggy hide in. And the Black mm-hmm. Knight comes looking for them, and Shaggy tries to distract the Black Knight with his ventriloquism bit to get the Black Knight to look in an urn so they can get away, but Scooby bumps the power switch on the plane, which is fueled. And here's the thing. My man Shaggy, so good at throwing his voice. He's amazing at I ventriloquism. I don't know that this ever, like, comes back as a thing that Shaggy does, but, like, that's a really impressive talent. Like, why is Shaggy's thing not that he's also a ventriloquist? He's a ventriloquist? He's a... Um... Acrobat? Gymnast! He's a a ventriloquist. He's the swingiest gymnast in school. Shaggy's got talents! Shaggy's got talents. No one can beat him in in an eating contest except his own dog. Yeah, Shaggy, like, gets boiled down a lot of the time to to being the guy what smokes weed. No, Shaggy... And Shaggy's got skills. Don't get me wrong. Don't get us wrong. He is he is the guy what smokes weed. But he he's good at He's things. the swingingest gymnast what smokes weed. He's the swingingest gymnast what smokes weed. He's the weed. greatest ventriloquist what smokes weed. He's the best ventriloquist what smokes weed. Shaggy is good at things. He is. Don't ever let anyone tell you Shaggy is not good at things because they are lying to you. Yeah. So anyway. Scoob. Do you know who isn't? Good at that, things? That fucking movie, Scoob. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go Who isn't good at things? <laughs> Scooby isn't good at flying a biplane. He's not. But he does, for some reason, have a pilot cap and goggles in his... I don't know where. I, I think it was just in the sea. Oh, that pipe. would make more sense than that Scooby was carrying them in his non-existent pockets. Though he does <laughs> always just seem to have his props. He does. He did. He did have an entire like painter's outfit, including including the hat. Maybe that was in the room because they, they were doing the art forgeries in there. They, they need to have a painter's outfit. You can't okay, you can't do yeah, art that, you can't fair. do art forgeries without the hat. 
That's so true. So anyway, Scooby starts flying the biplane and manages to squeeze it through a doorway, which means maybe he is good at flying biplanes? And anyway, the wings tear off the biplane, but it keeps flying. And by the way, that biplanes are not built like this. They are made of wood and cloth. They're basically made of balsa wood because they needed to be made of the most lightweight wood that they could get because they didn't have lightweight metals to use. Yep. So Scooby crashes the biplane into the Black Knight, which... The irreplaceable biplane. The irreplaceable biplane into the irreplaceable Black Knight armor. Yeah. And um, Fred goes over and pulls the helmet off of the Black Knight, and oh look, it's Mr. Winkles. Who saw that one coming? Who saw that one coming? We thought it was going to be Professor Hyde White. But where is Professor Hyde White? Mm Mm-hmm. Scooby. And Scooby finds his shoe. Scooby finds his shoe. He finds a shoe on the ground just at random after they've revealed who the the villain is. And I think the cops are there already? Uh, they called the sheriff, so I think the cops did arrive, yeah. Okay, and so so during that time, Scooby found a shoe and is telling everyone to follow him. And he uses the shoe, because he's a dog and can smell things, and finds and goes to the mask, the creepy mask that's been watching them the whole episode. And he pulls, I think it was Fred that pulled the mask down? Mm-hmm. And Professor Hyde White is there! He's been the one, he's been tied up, hidden behind the mask the entire episode. Not Yeah, he was tied up and gagged, he was just stuck yep. there. Which, a genuinely clever twist. Genuinely clever twist. And Should we have a genuinely clever twist count? Uh, maybe. We can mark that down. Okay, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in that yeah. one. So... They then we then get to our final gag, which is that Scooby puts the armor on and scares Shaggy with it, and then the episode is done. Scooby Dooby Doo. Yeah. Scooby Dooby Doo. It's a it's a genuinely extremely fun, uh, and and great introduction to these characters. Honestly, it really is. Um, it's very dense, which surprised us. We thought we'd have like 10 minutes worth of stuff to talk about in each episode, and that we'd need to do three or four episodes to get an episode of this done, but that is not going to be the case, at least not no, early like, on. These early episodes are these early episodes are dense. Like, there's so much happens in this, like, 22-minute episode. They squeeze... 21-minute, actually, I think. Like, like it's it's really, there's a lot that happens. They squeeze so much into this. Um, yeah. The mystery was actively interesting. Mm-hmm. Um... The jokes were funny. They they were like 1960s, 1970s funny jokes, but they weren't bad jokes. They were very funny. Um, the sight gag of Shaggy jumping through the window was great. Yeah, yeah. The, the twist with Professor Hyde White being behind the creepy mask was good. Um, no, this was a good episode of television. This is a well-assembled episode of television in a way that I absolutely did not expect it to be. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love this stuff. I've seen this stuff before. Mm-hmm. I've, I was, like, a huge Scooby-Doo fan when I was younger. But it it never occurred to me as an adult that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 28. Like, it never occurred to me that as an adult that I would still find it, like, this engaging as a mystery show rather than as a piece of nostalgia. I'm 41. Same. Yeah, it's forty. It's a genuinely very well assembled show. Forty-two. Oof. So anyway, that's rough, buddy. That's rough, buddy. Um. So yeah, it was really good. And oh goodness, can we talk about the art? Can we talk about the backgrounds first, then get into the character animation? Because there's things to say about both. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, give me your thoughts. I'm not an artist. I could do visual art about as well as I could fly a biplane, and Scooby is a much better biplane pilot than I am. So I don't have educated thoughts on this, but the backgrounds are beautiful and atmospheric and moody and dark in a way that's just creepy enough to still tell you we're doing the air of creepy, but you're going to have fun. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. It's really impressive. Um, I loved the particularly the outside of the museum that was a wonderful back backdrop mm-hmm. um some of the hallways in the museum were really beautiful uh yeah 
And one thing that I really, really appreciated, and I, I like, we were sitting here watching the episode and I stopped it so that I could comment on this. The backgrounds, um, they blend in perfectly with the bits that are going to be animated. Yeah. Like, it's not like watching, you know, an older Disney movie or whatnot, where the background is very clearly like this very extremely detailed matte painting, and then you can tell which book they're about to move off the bookshelf because it's drawn in a completely different style because they have less time to work on an individual cell than they do to work on the background. It's not like that. It looks exactly the same. Like, you can't tell the difference between the cell and the background. Which is interesting, because Scooby-Doo is kind of iconic for you being able to, which I think that's going to come up later in the show. Oh, I it probably will. Like, I, I expect that by the time we get to the Scooby-Doo show, we're going to be seeing more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the character animation is also great, so you can definitely see where specific cells are breaking away from um yeah uh for, 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 from from the rest of the character yeah. like you can you can really clearly see it um when scooby is sort of sitting in a neutral pose and his mouth hasn't moved at all mm-hmm. there's a particular bit of the episode where he i think it was the scooby sta- snack sequence where he was sitting there you could see that clear line between the mouth and the rest of his face and then he tilted his head a little bit um and for all of the frames that he spent tilting his head those were all fine. You couldn't see any any seam there, and then as soon as he got back into that pose, it was the same original cells that they used for that bit, and you could see the line again. I'll note, this probably wouldn't have been nearly as visible on a um, older CRT, especially the size oh. most TVs were when this came out. Yeah, absolutely not. Like, th- this, is, this is the sort of thing that you see when you're looking at it at a 4K TV in the year of our Lord 2023. Yep. This episode came out in 1969 originally, so... Yeah... It's uh, it's definitely not like a like an issue. It's just an interesting thing to note, in my opinion, how it's how it's definitely was visible to them as they were putting these things together. Speaking of Scooby, oh god, the way he moves, the way he moves is really good. I do not like the way that he sits. No, can I comment on the way that Scooby yes, sits? Go ahead. When he sits, when he sits, his legs are spread. <laughs> He is he is sitting down in like a, a pose that almost looks like how a dog would sit, but if you're looking at the front side of his body, his legs are wide open. They are going like perpendicular to his body. Scoop spreading. Scoop spreading. Um it's it's just a little unsettling to look at, frankly. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal again. Like it's it's a very minor problem and it's just one pose, but it's like it just looks so strange to me. Yeah, this episode was good. It was a very good episode of Scooby-Doo. If I were to give it any criticism, I'd say I wish we'd gotten to know um, Mr. Winkler better before the reveal. Yeah, yeah, that would have been but good. But it was 22 very dense minutes there. It would have been made worse by cutting anything they put, they did have in there to put to do that. Yeah, there, there are probably some gags they could have cut, but like the gags were ultimately what the show was for. Yeah. Like the 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 the, the reason that the show got created is because watchdog groups were mad about shows being too violent, which is wild when you think about modern cartoons and stuff. Like they were mad that that like Super Friends was too violent, you know? Steven Universe. <laughs> Imagine showing these watchdogs any episode of Steven Universe. <laughs> Any episode. They, they wouldn't be able to handle Hamburger Backpack. They wouldn't be able to handle Hamburger Backpack. They squish a bunch of bugs in that episode. Mm-hmm. Icky. And they, and like, like, like the Owl House is like full of weird body horror adjacent stuff. Like there is, there's just so much that these people would just scream seeing. You know what? Um, that, that makes me honestly glad for Cable 1 and its sequel, Cable 2. <laughs> Good fucking segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, do do we have any other kind of final thoughts on this episode? Um, I'm not thinking of any right now. Um, which means it's time to move on to episode two. Okay, so we're getting into episode two now, uh, which is titled A Clue for Scooby-Doo. 
Very appropriate title. Uh, as opposed as to will... Scooby and Shaggy Get a Clue, which is a completely different show. That is a completely different show. It's it's a very different show <laughs> from this one. Um, so we open at a beach called Rocky Point Beach. Uh, we see that there are some glowing footprints along the ground. There's a man in sort of a, an old school scuba suit. It's not like it, it, it's styled a bit like like old school diving bells, but it's not quite like as large as those. I think is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, a diving suit. Like, it's for going deeper than people usually go when they scuba. Like, this definitely is one of the classic Scooby villains. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've seen the, 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 the diving suit guy from Scooby-Doo, you know the villain of this episode. He glows. He glows. His name is Captain Cutler, and he glows. Um, so if you want to Google him, that's the name to look up. But he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a classic villain. Um... So, yeah, the, the, the guy in the scuba suit, uh, he's glowing, he's spooky, he descends into the sea, and then the footprints are washed away by the incoming tide. Um, it's the middle of the night. Uh, That's pretty normal for Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's the middle of the night, uh, and the gang shows up on the beach for a beach party. <laughs> you know, in the middle of the night on a really spooky-looking beach. And it's only the five of them. It's only the five of them. They don't have any other friends there. There's no one else there. It's just the five of them having a beach party. Um, there is a strange joke about Shaggy's first toy being a garbage disposal. It's because um he eats so fast that it, he eats like a garbage disposal can eat. It, it doesn't... It, 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 did, did he learn how to eat fast from the toy garbage disposal? Maybe it was a real garbage disposal. Huh. He'd, like, throw food into it and, uh, like, have heating contests with it? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I can accept this. <laughs> yeah, and also, none of them change clothes <laughs> for this beach party. They're all just in their normal outfits. I feel like if you're uh, going to a beach party, you should be dressed for the beach. Probably. But Fred does but not they, agree with me. They they live in a van. They probably don't have beach clothes. Do they live in the van? We never see where they live in, in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, as far as I know. I so think I think everyone assumes that they live in the van. They don't have any think, friends other than each other. Yeah, I think it's a fair assumption to say that they live in the van. Scooby-Doo post-apocalyptic headcanon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is an apocalyptic wasteland where weird guys are just trying to take over everything in spooky outfits. Yeah. And these kids are just foiling them. Um, so Scooby's on a surfboard. Scooby is swimming, swimming through the ocean, uh, getting ready to do some surfing. And he puts his paw down once and uh, w- realizes there's something down there. And when he lifts it up, there's a scuba man. It, it's it's super scary. It's the glowy Scooby scuba guy. So Scooby does his whole yipe and run away thing. You know how Scooby do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Scooby do. And uh, then we cut back to the beach. Shaggy's making some hot dogs for everyone. And then Scooby just fucking tackles him. Uh, they're they're all destroyed. All the hot dogs are ruined. Um, and then everyone sees that uh, the scuba man is approaching them. Um, they run. They run into like a little like kind of cove area, I guess. It's not really a cove. Those are in the water. Um, but they, 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 they run into sort of like a, like a little area that's sort of a cave-ish Like thing. an outcrop. Yeah, like an outcrop. Um, they all immediately assume it's a ghost. Because it's a glowing scuba man. Um, Shaggy hides inside of an umbrella on the way there also. Uh, Velma insists that he come out of the umbrella once they're safely not in view of the scuba man. Uh, and instead of doing that, Shaggy just, like, forces his head through the top, completely destroying the umbrella. Now, here's my question. Was that their umbrella? I mean, there was nobody else at the beach. That's fair. I'm not going to count that as a crime, then. Yeah, I think that was Shaggy's umbrella. If it wasn't Shaggy's, it was... It was probably Velma's umbrella. Yeah, I was thinking either Daphne or Velma has a good beach umbrella. Yeah, that's probably why Velma wanted him to get out of it, because it's her umbrella. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, obviously, 
Fred wants to find out what's going on. Shaggy also wants Fred to find out what's going on. Uh, he requests that when Fred finds out what's going on, he send him a telegram. Which is interesting to me because it feels like Scooby's used the exact wrong age for the word telegram to be in teen parlance. Yeah. It's, like it, it's too late for actual telegrams sent by wire and too early for the social media thing. Yeah. It's a little bit strange. Um, there's a there's a couple of strange jokes in this one, but yeah, Shaggy's just really into late nineteenth century communications methods. Good for him, honestly. <laughs> the man's got talents. The man's got talents. He knows Morse code. The, the man's got talents, and he's got interests. He knows Morse code. He's a good guy. We should we, we should start keeping a list of, of Shaggy's skills. If you'd like to, you are welcome to. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um. So when they come back out, the the scuba man is gone. Um, they uh, we cut to the next morning. They're at a diner, uh, eating breakfast, and uh, they have a newspaper. Um, a boat has disappeared, and it's apparently not the first boat that's disappeared, right? Like it's there have been several disappearances of uh, of, of boats around this time. Um, the article says that the sheriff and the coast guard have no idea where these boats are going. But there's a beach hermit by the name of Ebenezer Shark. Best uh, name ever. Cl- wild name. Amazing name for a beach hermit. If I were a beach hermit, I would change my name to Ebenezer Shark. If my name was Ebenezer Shark, my, my job would be beach hermit. That's so true. What if we both change our name to Ebenezer Shark and we go live on a beach? Sounds good. All right. Okay. No more podcasts. <laughs> this is, this is going to be the last episode of this show, but we're going to finish it up. <laughs> So Ebenezer Shark uh, is claiming to the news that it is the ghost of Captain Cutler. Uh, Meanwhile, Scooby and Shaggy uh, are doing some antics, you know? Scooby is uh, drinking his drink, and then he takes a straw and runs it from his own drink into Shaggy's drink so that Shaggy's drink goes into his straw. Mm -hmm. Um, Shaggy eventually stops him by cutting it with scissors, and so by the end of this whole sequence, they are left with two straws each in their cups. Yep. Um, and and keep in mind, this is the first time that that Scooby having a voracious appetite has appeared. Like the, they have not eaten a big sandwich. No one has made a big sandwich. No one has eaten a big sandwich. This is the first time that we see Scooby being selfish about food. It's a pretty low key one. It is. It's very low-key. He just, he just wants more milkshake. He just wants more milkshake. I think it's soda. It was it was pink and definitely liquid. See-through mm-hmm. liquid. Um, let's see. So, uh, Fred and Daphne uh, decide that they want to go visit Ebenezer Shark. So the whole gang goes. They talk to him. Uh, the man speaks in Buccanese. He's a real, he's a real oh, old sea captain type, you know? He says he says things like I and whatnot. <laughs> he's seen it with uh, his own eyes. He's seen it with his own eyes. <clears throat> um there is a glow in the fog that he describes before the boats disappear. Uh Fred asks why Shark thinks it's Captain Cutler. Uh apparently, Captain Cutler an indeterminate amount of time ago. Uh, crashed into a yacht that was in the marina, and he sank and died in an area called the Graveyard of Ships. So this vengeful spirit of Captain Cutler apparently wants revenge on yachts uh, for doing him wrong and murdering him, apparently. Um, I always put my marinas directly next to a place called the Graveyard of Ships. Yeah, no, it's a normal place to put a ship. I think Mm -hmm. that's great. Normal, absolutely normal place. This is a normal beach that normal kids would have a normal beach party without changing their clothes into beach clothes on. And they put a marina there. And they put a marina there, too. How convenient. <laughs> so uh, we, get a, we get a quick shot of uh, outside of the uh, outside of Ebenezer's uh, home, uh, Mr. Shark, Mr. Shark's home. Um where we see someone looking into the window. The window's kind of a porthole situation, which makes me wonder why he's a beach hermit. Because uh, it doesn't seem very, like, hermit-like to have, like, a, b- a boat house. 
but the, I don't think it's actually in the water either. It's kind of a whole thing. Um, but yeah, we see we see a shadow in the window, uh, or the shadow of someone looking into the window. We see that from the outside. Um, and then Scooby uh, falls into the hold of the ship that he lives in. That, 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 that Ebenezer Shark lives in. Um, and he starts screaming and struggling, and he's being attacked by an empty scuba suit. Uh, that Scooby is always getting into antics, ain't he? Every time. Every time. <laughs> uh, so the suit well, it turns out to not be anything to do with Captain Cutler. Uh, it belongs to Shark. Um, this is the moment where I get my first inkling of like, oh, this guy's not the guy. I we think he is the we guy at this point. We wouldn't have seen a diving suit uh, in this guy's home if he was the guy. That's my hot take. That's a remarkably Doyleist interpretation. Did did Doyle write like that? No. um, You don't know about Doyleist versus Holmesian? No. So Doyleist is solving the mystery by using the clues of how stories are told. Holmesian is solving it by using the information the characters have. Oh, interesting. It's more complicated huh. than that, but I'm drastically oversimplifying because we're talking about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, let's see. Where was I? Um, so, yeah, this suit belongs to Ebenezer Shark. Uh, Velma, on their way out of the house, Velma says that there's something awfully fishy about Ebenezer Shark. And then Shaggy says, yeah, he looks more like a barracuda. So, the gang splits up. We are at our second count of gang splitting up. Fred wants uh, himself and Daphne to go keep an eye on Ebenezer, while Shaggy and Scooby and Velma go to the lighthouse where the widow of Ebenezer Cutler lives. Um, This division is probably going to be the most common one. It absolutely, yeah. It's it's kind of the classic Scooby Doo division. Um, the lighthouse is very spooky, creepy. It it's it's pretty spooky. Um, Shaggy and Scooby are both asked to knock on the door. Neither of them do. They refuse. Uh, and Velma gets like really mad about it. Like, for a couple of moments, she's doing, like, a determined face where she has, like, angry eyebrows and then, uh, and then, like, a, like a smile, sort of determined smile kind of look. Um, but then, like, she turns her head as she speaks and she's just got this, like, enormous frown. She looks so mad. Velma is very unhappy with her cowardly friends. Yeah, she, she wants them to open that damn door and she, they are just refusing, absolutely refusing. Uh, so, the widow uh, of uh, Captain Cutler uh, practices witchcraft. They, fig- they figure this out uh, because they just straight up walk into this woman's house. They do not knock on the door. After all of this discussion about knocking on the door, they don't knock on the door. They just walk right in. They waltz right in like they own the goddamn place. So, here's breaking and entering, part so, two. Breaking and entering, number two. Uh I didn't remember there being a lot of breaking and entering in Scooby-Doo, but we'll see how this continues as it is to shake out in the future. Um, so yeah, they, they, they find a book, uh, called witchcraft made easy. And they're looking at that. Uh, Scooby finds some canned hyena laughs and he opens the jar like four times for, to do the same joke over and over, <laughs> uh, where it just, it just makes laughing sounds. It's funnier than it sounds. It is funnier than it sounds, but he does open the jar like three times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the widow shows up, she puts her hand on Shaggy's shoulder and he looks at it and goes, who do I know that has long, creepy fingers? And then they turn around and it's it's the, the widow. Um, she... 100% outright admits, yeah, I practice witchcraft, uh, and I am the one who summoned the ghost back. Um, I I wanted the ghost to be here. This is not elaborated on. We don't know why she would want a ghost. I mean, she might, or why it, she might just, would, it might just be she misses her husband. It could be. But uh, she's not happy with how the ghost situation is shaking out after she summoned him, because she didn't want him to take revenge. She's, Again, no... No elaboration. She probably was just mourning her husband and wanted him back, but 
she's, she's very startled having... that the vengeful spirit she summoned is doing vengeance. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's not happy with that situation at all. Um, Scooby uh, finds a big cauldron of some kind of liquid. He takes a sip. Uh, he says it's delicious. And then she says, sorry, I'm just doing the washing up and pulls like a like a pair of pants or something out of it on a big spoon. And uh, Scooby goes, yuck. So, you know, that's very important to the plot. <laughs> um the the gang they go ahead and leave they 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 head out um and on their way out of the house there is a bunch of glowing seaweed uh going toward the drain pipe on its own like with no apparent reason for moving going towards a big drain pipe so they head down they they sort of chase it and it ends up inside of this drain pipe uh so velma wants to send scooby into the drain pipe to get it uh scooby does not want to do this so he uh runs away puts on a big jacket and that big jacket is stuffed with pillows so he looks real fat and he says i can't do it i'm too fat and then the jacket explodes and all the pillows fly everywhere velma uh, offers him one scooby snack to go in and scooby's reply is nah 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 yeah 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 which is probably the funniest moment in the episode yeah it was a very good like fading from the no immediately back into the yes giving into the temptation um, so that is one Scooby snack for the bar graph. Uh, then we get a Scooby weird animal interaction, which is a number one, another one of the things that we're counting. I believe that's the second one following the, the frog and yeah, the frog in the first episode. Um, there is a mouse in the pipe, which was the one dragging the glowing seaweed away. And, uh, Scooby takes it from the mouse and the mouse complains a lot. Not in English, just complains in mouse language. Scooby is the only talking animal in this show so far. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so the gangs all get all back together now. Uh, Velma's got a book, and she's able to identify the seed we- seaweed as a Phosphorum pyrifora. Um, it is a specific series or series species of um, of bioluminescent seaweed that only grows in the graveyard of ships. Shark went to the marina an hour ago, uh, so they get a boat uh, and they get some diving gear, uh, including for Scooby little interesting that they managed to get diving gear for a dog but you know um and uh they head in to the graveyard of ships in there the little boat that they got i guess they rented it or maybe took it from somewhere this could be a crime we're not going to call it a crime but it could be we have no evidence we have no evidence that they stole this boat but i'm suspicious um they spot a bottle in the water a message in a bottle um they grab it out of the water and it turns out to be just a note that says no deposit no return uh they then go ahead and move on uh and they see a yacht with no one aboard there's no motor running but it is moving on its own it's just drifting along the water shaggy asks what's making it go and velma replies ghost power shaggy says i'm afraid you were going i was afraid you were going to say that and then they follow it into a cove where the yacht has suddenly vanished they have no idea where it is now i think personally pretty interesting to see velma the one suggesting a ghost thing yeah Um, you'd think that would be shaggy or scooby yeah or even later yeah especially later versions of 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 scooby-doo like the more recent you get uh, with these iterations, the less uh, superstitious uh, Velma is, is mm-hmm. to the point that she eventually becomes like the know-it-all, oh, this can't possibly be uh, this can't possibly be anything supernatural, I'm the smart one and I know all the science kind of character. But right now she is willing to suggest ghosts as an option, and I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, this early on in the show. Um... So they, uh, yeah, they see the yacht disappear to the cove. Um, it's just completely gone. And then uh, Fred, Fred says, well, it's like I always say, onward and downward. So they return to the graveyard of ships. They h- hook up their boat to, they, they, they like tie a rope around one of the many crashed, like, 1800 sailing ships. Like there, there's like brigandines and stuff in here. I feel like like these are these are old ships. It is the graveyard of ships. It is the graveyard of ships. 
can be old boats there, but they uh, this one's apparently not rotted out somehow. So they they hook up uh, a rope to it to to its mast to keep their boat from floating away, and then they go ahead and dive into the water. Um, so Fred has them split up again. That's our third split up. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby one way, while he, Daphne, and Velma go the other way. Uh, those three find uh, a room inside of one of the many ships under the water um, where there is a diving suit, and they they think it's Cutler for a second, like the, his body, but they realize that it can't be him because the hands are skeletal. And also the um, suit is a much older type. Yeah, the, the suit is also older, so they realize that it's too old to be there, so they go to leave, but then the actual ghost of Cutler comes by and and traps them inside of the room, because it's got, like, a metal hatch to keep the room shut. So they're, they're all trapped in there. Um, Scooby, um, well, uh, Scooby and Shaggy see him. Scooby, for some reason, decides that the best course of action is to pull the... Uh, air tube out of his helmet, his diving helmet, and stick it into his suit so that his suit inflates. Um, then puts puts it back into the the helmet so he can breathe again. And then Shaggy uses a harpoon to pop it. That that is the way that Scooby decides to run away, and Shaggy's just on board with this. Apparently, they don't even need to talk about it. They don't even need to talk about it. There's no discussion here. Shaggy knows what's up. <laughs> um so shaggy goes ahead and pops the the suit and uh scooby flies away on a jet of air escaping from his now inflated suit um that sends him shooting into cutler uh he knocks down cutler uh onto the ground uh or you know the surface of the ocean whatever same difference um then he hits the wheel of a ship, gets tossed around by that, like, like swings him around a few times because he can't get off of it. His suit gets stuck to it. And then that flings him way off of that and into another ship. Like he hits the back of another one of the many wooden ships over here, crashes through that wall and finds a room full of, of scuba tanks, a few of which are glowing just like Cutler's. Uh, so Scooby has now found a clue. Episode two, a clue for Scooby-Doo. I told you it would come back. Clue for Scooby-Doo. <laughs> clue for Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo gets a clue. That's a different show. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shaggy's all alone. He says, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Because that's the title of the show. Scooby finds him, but Cutler's still uh, coming after Scooby. So Scooby and Shaggy want to shoot Cutler with a cannon. Uh, Shaggy pulls out a box of matches, He because the cannon is loaded, apparently. Shaggy pulls out a box of matches, he strikes it twice, and looks at it and says, I forgot matches don't work underwater, and then they run away. Um, so they end up on the front of two ships that are kind of crashed on the bottom side by side, uh, pretending to be figureheads. Um... They try to be quiet, but Scooby uh, has another weird animal interaction. Uh, there's a fish that comes up to him and starts making faces at him or something. That's three. That That's three. Um, and Scooby tells him to scram, and that's enough for Cutler to realize that that's not a figurehead, that's a dog. And uh, he tries to grab them, but they end up running away. Scooby and Shaggy run away so fast that they slam into the door uh, that uh, Velma and Fred and Daphne were trapped behind and knock that door completely down. And they are so excited that they found them and that they're not going to be trapped there to suffocate to death. Uh, They don't say those words, but that's what they imply. Mm Mm-hmm. Fred and, um, Fred and Daphne and Velma were on their way to a watery grave. They were. In the graveyard uh, ships. So Scooby starts getting really excited, saying that he found a clue, and he shows everyone the uh, scuba tanks. Because apparently their running away was good enough that Captain Cutler couldn't follow them anymore for the moment. So they, they're able to go look at the scuba tanks and see that some of them are glowing. Um, Velma thinks that she's gone ha- got the mystery solved now that she sees that. Uh, Fred sees Cutler's footprints, which they are able to follow to the face of a cliff. Um, they're looking at the the face of the cliff. They're like, what could this mean? There's no way. There's nothing here. It's just a flat cliff wall. And Shaggy says that he's tired and decides to sit down on a rock. That rock sinks down into the ground. And suddenly there is a big door opening in front of where uh, the rest of the gang is uh, looking at this wall. And Fred, I believe, calls Shaggy a genius. It was Fred. And... 
Yeah, and 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 Shaggy declares like, "Oh yeah, I knew there was something suspicious about that rock." Um, and so they go into there. Uh, they find an underground cavern. Scooby uh, takes off his helmet, which is for some reason full of water, and there's a fish in there also. Oh, it's because he so, his suit got broken open by Shaggy. But he was breathing just fine the whole time. But now there's a fish in his helmet, so he has to take his helmet off to let let the fish out. The suit worked even with the hole until it was funnier for it not to. That's fair. Um, So, yeah. Um, It's full of yachts. All of these yachts that have disappeared are in here. And uh, they note that a lot of them look like they're in the process of being repainted. Daphne notices the yacht from earlier on, uh, and it's tied to a mini submarine. Um, That's, they realize that that's the way that they were propelling the yacht forward um without it being turned on at all um they decide that they want to make a trap for the ghost um and this is this is our first trap of scooby-doo um i'm surprised it didn't happen in episode one like there wasn't really a trap there it just kind of happened it just kind of ended scooby just had a biplane he just had a biplane (laughs) Um, but yeah, this is the first time that we see Fred, uh, and the others coming up with a trap, um, which what they do is there's a fire hose, which they, uh, put a bar of soap into like a canister that attaches to the fire hose. So they're going to spray a bunch of soap suds at Captain Cutler so that he slips down the above ground entrance, which is on a little bit of a dock. Uh, they're going to suds it up when he's coming in. So he slips and falls down. Um, and then they're going to use the fire hose to push him into a net, which is a wild thing to do to someone that they are pretty sure is a human man. Just a, just a real, real strange thing to do to someone. (laughs) Um, so they make a bunch of noise. They, they start up Operation Noisemaker um, and they, you know, run the whistles on a lot of the yachts. They have honk horns. They ring bells. It's just a whole lot of noise. And so Cutler runs in trying to find them. They point the fire hose at him uh, and the fire hose is way too strong and immediately flies out of Daphne and Fred's hands. Uh, Shaggy grabs the hose and it carries him up into the air where he is flung around by the hose in the air while, uh, and, and that ends with, uh, Scooby getting covered in soap suds. Scooby being covered in soap suds slips and falls into a smaller boat, which goes back and forth several times because he had accidentally powered it on by falling into it. Um, I wonder how many times he's going to do that. Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. Um, he, the boat eventually turns around and ends up, uh, ramping off of part of the dock that is the entrance, the above ground entrance to this room, hits Captain Cutler straight up with an entire boat. Um, and that leaves a hole in the boat big enough for Captain Cutler to, uh, be stuck inside of, like, it's like wrapped around him so he can't move his arms. So finally we get our unmasking. They pull his helmet off, and it's just some guy they've never seen him before. Neither of us expected this. We, uh, I thought it was Shark. Shiv thought it was um, Widow Cutler. Yeah, and at this point, uh, yeah, neither of us expected this because there were there were two characters. There was there was Ebenezer Shark, and there was Widow Cutler. Um, but this is neither of them. And so Shaggy, real like, no one knows who they're looking at, but then Shaggy realizes, oh, if I take this seaweed that's shaped kind of like a beard and stick it to the bottom of his face, this looks a lot like the portrait of Captain Cutler that was in the Widow Cutler's house. Cutler is alive and has been the whole time. So the ghost of Captain Cutler is Captain Cutler. Captain Cutler. Wild. I did not see that twist coming. There, are, th- These are genuinely good twists. It was really good. Yeah, like these are these are good twists on on what you expect out of a simple little mystery thing. Um, so they end up back at the malt shop. Uh, the newspaper now says that the that Cutler and his wife were arrested uh, because of these kids figuring it out. Um, the ghost situation turned out to be an accident. He accidentally got covered with the uh, the seaweed, and that made him look like he was spooky and glowing. And that's how they came up with the plan. Um, and then. Just an absolutely wild moment takes place where everyone is uh, talking and stuff, and Scooby 
just drinks out of his cup really, really hard, and that causes every other cup on the table to empty. So Scooby drinks like, everyone's milkshake through some kind of temporal portal. Yeah, he he drinks everyone's milkshake through a single straw without putting any of the milkshakes into his own cup. Like, they all just disappear into his mouth. Somehow. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the end of the episode. Scooby-dooby-doo. Scooby-dooby-doo. It's a, a heck of a heck of an episode, honestly. Um, I really liked the mystery here. It was really good. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know what to expect. I figured, like, there was a 50-50 shot of it being uh, Cutler's wife or uh, Ebenezer. But it ended up being neither of them. It was it was the one option that I didn't even think would be an option. So we didn't think of Captain Cutler as a character. He was the disguise. He was he was a storytelling element. Like he mm-hmm. was not a character. So yeah, that came kind of completely out of nowhere for me, at least. Like it was it was really it was really cool. It was a really cool way to end a mystery. I love um, the ghost of Captain Cutler's design. Yeah, it, there is a reason that this is a classic Scooby Doo villain. Like it's a, it's a great design. It's just a a real simple one that still manages to be I, I don't want to call it scary. Calling it scary makes it makes it sound a little more overblown than I'm meaning to imply, but like it's it's a good interesting design for a one-off villain. You can see why Scooby is scared of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not actually scary, but you can see why they would be afraid. Um the glow is good. The um, seaweed hanging off the diving suit is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it does a whole lot for it. The diving suit is just uncanny enough. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really excellent. Um, so a couple of things that I noticed that I didn't kind of mention here. Shaggy hasn't eaten anything yet. He's been said to have a big appetite, but he hasn't actually eaten anything yet. He cooked some hot dogs, but those got ruined on the beach. He had some of his milkshake both times they were at the milkshake place. Yeah, but everyone did. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have any more than Fred or Daphne. In fact, he had less than they did because Scooby stole because most Scooby, of his first one. Yeah, Scooby drank most of the first one, and then all of the second one. Um, one thing that I noticed about kind of the the artistic side of it, um, sometimes it seems like some of the cells are like a little bit overpainted, like like the paint goes a little bit outside of the uh, original lines that they made for the character. Um, and in particular, it seems to happen a lot around Shaggy's beard, which a lot of people don't seem to think about Shaggy having a beard because for some reason they always have covered, colored his beard the same color as his skin um, as a stylistic thing. But I like that uh, because the beard doesn't have a solid outline. It's just like a bunch of single like kind of hatch lines. Um, and so I kind of like that the paint sort of spills out of it. It gives a much better impression of it being kind of a scraggly little beard that isn't like super well cared for. Um, rather than being just kind of a neat little beard on the bottom of his chin. I've always read him as having less of a full beard and more like, um, like less of a goatee, I mean, because he's never been depicted as having a full beard, but, um, yeah, less of that and more, um, just being very scruffy on the chin. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a few really long hairs rather than an actual beard. Yeah. And I think I think it works for them to to to, to have it kind of go outside of the lines a little, the, the color go outside of the lines a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it definitely gives it more of a kind of scruffy, scraggly look. Um, I also have been noticing in these both of these episodes now that Scooby, first of all, just speaks a lot less. Um, he doesn't talk very much compared to you know what you expect out of him from later series and probably later parts of this series. Um, it's interesting that he gets more kind of vocal as the show goes on because he is technically the main character. He's the mascot, but um, this one, he finds most of the clues. Yeah. in this episode, he finds most of the clues, but they, they kind of have to clarify what he's saying to them. It's they they understand him less, even though he is speaking. Um, And it's both on the audience and the audience isn't really understanding him as much. Uh, He doesn't speak as clearly. Uh, And the characters in the show are also having to kind of go, is this what you mean? kind of situation and I, I i think that's really neat i think that's an interesting way that the show evolves over time he's definitely a better communicator than like lassie but not as much of one as um scrappy do is 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are those are good benchmarks. Um, the episodes are dense. We said this already about about episode one, but these episodes have so much in them. So much. There's there's so much happening in these in these episodes. It's it's really truly kind of wild to me that they just it's it's one thing after the other after the other after the other. There's like there's no real breaks. Um, it's all just happening all the time. There's there's not a lot of pauses. There's not a lot of wasted space. Um, the gags obviously take up a decent amount of it, but even those aren't really the focus. The focus is always on. So far, at least, has always been on the mystery. Like, in this episode, I think there was only one gag I would say didn't advance the plot, and that was the one with the bottle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just sort of a fake-out, uh, hey, that looks like a clue, oh, it's not a clue situation, and I, I think that's neat. Like, the weird thing with Scooby and the um, diving suit and the wheel gave them the most important clue of the entire thing. He found the scuba tanks. Yeah, like... Uh, it's really, it's 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 really interesting, just like how much they managed to pack into these episodes, without it without without it feeling overwhelming. It is not that so much is happening that like you're having trouble following it or anything. Even while we're sitting here like furiously taking notes for the entire episode, uh, because we want to make sure that we're getting everything. Um, Honestly, when I said we should take notes, I was thinking like, oh, I'll just kind of write down my thoughts on it. But then I realized how much was happening at once while we were watching the first episode. And there's just so much stuff going on that you need to write it down if you want to, like, talk about it accurately point by point later on. We have pages very, of synopsis. Yeah, it's it's a very simple story, but it is still, you know, we wrote four pages worth of synopsis between the two of us, um, as well as just kind of notes on the interesting things that are happening in it. Um, and that's just for that episode. We got th- almost three pages on the second one, looks like, or on the first one rather, looks like. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really something. There's there's a lot a lot to these. The backgrounds remain gorgeous. I love the undersea ones. The undersea ones are really good. I I love how dark this beach looks all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that what happened with the beach party being at night. Uh, is probably just a limitation of like they didn't want to draw a daytime cell for this beach uh, when they only really needed nighttime cells to tell their story. But like I, I kind of love the atmosphere of this beach always being dark and creepy, despite the fact that they're like going there to have a little beach party together. And Scooby Doo like, is like Batman; the stories happen at night. Yeah, absolutely. But even then, we still had some like genuine daytime scenes during the uh, the first episode. True, and we had one at the end of this one, too. True, yeah. When they went back to the the, the, shop. The, the the two scenes in the diner, which, as far as I could tell, used the same backgrounds. I would have to look more closely to tell, but the scenes of the diner used, I think, the same two or three backgrounds, um, and I would not be surprised to see those later on as well, um, appeared to be uh, the only daytime things that they had for this one. But... Yeah. Do you have any other any other thoughts on this one? I, I think I, I think I, I think got that's all everything. Out. Yeah. Wow. What a what a show. What a what a way to start this show. Like, I can see why this caught on. Scooby Doo um, is almost certainly the most popular and lasting thing Hanna Barbera ever did. Yeah. And um, we're seeing the reasons why here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it remains to be seen whether Who Are You remains this kind of quality the whole run through. But, you know, for now, I, I'm I'm hooked. Like, I, I, I want to watch more of it. I It's it's really good. Mystery Machine Theater 3000 is a Cable 2 production. For more information, check out Cable2.net, spelled T-W-O. You can also join our Discord to chat with Cable 2 creators and watch our live shows, including MMT3K premieres at twitch.tv slash cable2.